Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm Shane Barker, your host for the show. And Efficient Labs' Jonathan Schroyer is back with us to discuss what customer experience is all about and how to use it to your advantage in business. I've only been you know, in the customer space for 23 years. You might have a little bit of experience last time I checked. Um, let's do a little, I just want to talk to you a little bit one-on-one about customer service and about customer yeah. experience and like what that looks like. Cause obviously you've, you've got, you've worked with once again, we're going to go into the names of the companies you've already touched on some of them, some big ones, but so what is your definition of a good customer experience? Like, give me, tell me what you, what is the core of what you guys do? So I think in essence, if you think about a good customer experience, it's one that starts at the, the exact immediate time that the product is acquired and it, and it doesn't end until they, uh, the product is no longer in use. And if you're really good at it, the product always remains in use. There's a lifetime loyalty component. But it's really understanding every part of that journey when a customer might hit a roadblock, whether intentional or unintentional, how you handle that roadblock, how you treat the customer, right? So if you, a lot of folks talk about great customer service and they, they think of great companies like Zappos is, is one that gets a lot of a lot of fanfare. And one of the things that Zappos did, did really well in the early days is they would go above and beyond and do things that you didn't expect them to do. Or if they if they messed up, they'd make it right three times over, over kind of thing. So that that's the perception of Zappos. Now, I'm sure every Zappos experience isn't that way, but that's the perception. They, they understood the journey and that they wanted to make sure that they could give answers and support the customers throughout the entire journey, not just the spot in time. Because a customer doesn't they don't spend money here, they spend money here, right? In the, in the entire journey. And that's how I think about it, is a company that proactively understands me, knows my data, understands how to help me get back to what I love, which is their product. And in some cases, what will be good for you as a customer will be different. So then there's that customizable component. Like in video games, for example, I, I'm playing this NBA video game I really like right now, but I'm in a more advanced player and there are newer players. So if you give the newer player or me the same exact experience, then you're going to get suboptimal results. But if you customize the experience to the where we are in the game, then you're going to get us to be more sticky and keep playing the game much longer, as an example. Yeah, I mean, it's a great example. It comes down to the customization, right? And that's understanding your customer because we can't assume that everybody's in that same level in the same category. And so that's one of the things I think that, that you, the issues is that when you, they come in and you assume that everybody's at this level and you're trying to educate somebody at another level when they're here yeah. or there. Jonathan, please allow me to take a minute here to tell our listeners how my team and I can help them optimize your website and marketing strategy to engage your customers better. If you want to send personalized emails, write engaging marketing copy, or optimize your site for sales, reach out to me at shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E. B-A-R-K-E-R.com for fully managed branding and marketing campaigns. And now back to talking about personalization and customization of everything with Jonathan. It's that customization. And I mean, we talk about this, the personalization and customization of everything when it comes to marketing, when it comes to emails, when it comes to, it's like people are going to be looking, you know, it's no longer this, you know, situation where, I don't know, you go and you talk to a chat bot and they're writing something and it has nothing to do with what you're talking about. It's like, there's just that disconnect. It's like, how do we make it so that, you know, that experience is better? So you go, oh, okay, they get what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. they understand what I'm going through because they have, once again, data or they have whatever that is to be able to understand where you're coming from and then be able to, you know, address that accordingly. Yeah, I mean, I think the way that we think about it is a very simple three-layer approach. First, you have the overall view of what is the customer experience and journey look like, right? How do you architect and design that? The second thing, which is the middle part, which is 
what does best-in-class operation performance look like to deliver stickiness, right? And then the foundation is employee experience. There's an old saying from a UK TV show, happy people sell, right? It was a UK contact center show. Yeah. But it's true. Like if you have happy people, they're going to deliver that optimal experience, that optimal kind of performance experience in operations, and they're going to stay tied into designing and architecting and, and innovating that journey. So that EMPS, so that employee experience is a key component. So when people want me to simplify it down, like those are your three areas. Now let's dive deep into each of those areas and see how you're doing. Yeah, see how you're performing. I love that. So I know that we, some of the things that you had talked about was your company's like shifting from more of like a customer service, like a cost center to a profit center. Cause you were kind of saying, right. Hey, let's, let's, let's empower the people that are in contact to be able to maybe make some decisions or help people upsell or whatever that is, right? Like whatever we're looking at there. So tell me more about that because that's, it's even hard enough. Like I said, some of the companies that I've dealt with just to even deal with my problem, let alone try to upsell me or make me feel comfortable about doing something else other than you know, other than some of, the, um, some of the companies that I've talked to, they're like, oh, let's, you know, hey, I can upgrade you for this, this, or this is where it feels very salesy. Yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective, I always think, I think about the nuance of the experience. So people try to, they're really focused on ROI on a day-to-day -day tactical basis. But I said, there's a, there's a nuance, there's nuance to marketing. So there has to be nuance to services. So when I kind of built out the service stack, and I thought about how do we deliver ROI on the service stack? I said, what we have to do is we have to, using the data that we have, compartmentalize and deliver different experiences to different customers. And then based off of those different experiences, we need to track A-B test and track and see, does that better experience deliver or protect you know, better stickiness, better retention, better spin, in gaming as an example, better playtime or more playtime, right? And so I think that's the, the trick isn't, you know, trying to upsell them to more products. The trick is to tracking their behaviors over time using data and then doing these A-B tests to solidify the findings so that you can continue to deliver an experience that will then give you returns over the next three, five, six, 10 years. Don't worry so much about making $5 on the upsell. Think about the the, the $100,000 that that customer might spend over the next 10 years inside of your, or 50,000 or five or whatever it is. And how do you maintain that experience? Because, you know, a customer is as whole, hard to hold on to as a moonbeam, especially in this day and age, you have to recapture them, engage them every day. And so trying to upsell them is that's, again, that's a commoditized way for people to get ROI out of the customer experience. That's not a strategic way. Well, and I, I love what you're saying there, because I think that's the problem is that it's like, you know, hey, is a, if you're whatever customer service and you have certain sales numbers you have to hit and then becomes a situation where you're just selling because you have to hit a certain number, not okay. thinking what's best for them. And I, what I really love you keep touching on is data. So what it comes down to, like, what was the history of this person for the last three years? Why are you offering this to them when you know that like, stupid example? Hey, let me offer them the upgrade to the 50 megs. Well, but right now they're at whatever we know they're at 50 megs and they, they were at, you know, before they were at something better before. And it's like, why are you offering this? Like, what is the rationale behind that? Other than to get sales, it's having that the backstory. And yeah. I think that's a differentiator, which you guys talk about. Yeah. I, when I lived in the UK, there's a company there um, called it's a Virgin internet kind of mm -hmm. it's owned by Richard Branson. And they used to do something that I thought was really clever. They would forecast when their competitors were going to increase their speeds 
And instead of upselling, they would give you that speed six months in advance. So then basically with that, they would basically prevent you from leaving for the competitors because they would give you something for free that, that ostensibly they were going to have to give you in six months time because of the competitor. So they, again, they use data to drive retention. And I never felt like I was being upsold, but in that, I was, right? Because I probably could have got it cheaper next door, uh, but I just decided to stay because they took good care of me. And, and again, that's, that's a nuanced way to think about a service in a design and architect that experience. Well, because then you're also cutting back on the whatever, 1,500, 1,000 people that are calling up and saying, hey, these guys are, right. hey, there's a new deal. There's a deal over here. And it's like, let's just go ahead and give it to them. Now we're yeah. not, now our, our retention is going to be a lot higher. We don't have to negotiate. We don't have to do this. We know that it's coming in the pipeline. I mean, I love that. But of course, most companies will look at that like, well, how do we upsell them to our newer package? And it's like, well, maybe you don't do that. Maybe you want to retain them because they've been around for five years and you should take care of them. Right. Yeah. Like what, what is the right thing to do? And I don't think people, a lot of companies think about that. It's like, it always usually comes down to revenue, but it's revenue, but also the right thing. Like, what do you, what would you feel good about? That's right. right? That's I, right. And I, and right. I think that's what people miss. I think that's their, there's this point in their mind that they, it comes down to numbers and we have to, we have certain numbers and we have to hit this. I do get that, but that doesn't always feel right. When, when it comes to a customer, customer just wants to, you know, wants what they want. Right? right. And there's ways to do it. And I think it's the education of the, of the people mm -hmm. that are once again, that are you know answering the phones that are on the chat bots that are, that are making that happen. So how do you, when we talked, you talked a little bit about ROI. So, you know, and I, I don't think it's always necessarily has to be just, you know, revenue driven because, you know, yeah. we, I, I've heard this, you know, how do you, how do you measure happiness, right? When you have a happy customer, but like when you have the ROI of like customer experience, like how do you measure that? Like, what do you guys look at? I know you look at the long-term Right. Like, hey, who cares about the five dollars today? I care about the ten thousand yeah. dollars of the lifetime of that customer. Like, how do you look at ROI? Well, I think there's kind of three approaches that I that I think about when I think about ROI. I think the first approach is the effort. How much effort did it take for the customer to get their answer and get back to to using your products So the customer effort score, which is a new score that's come out in the last decade, which I think trumps kind of satisfaction overall, because you find that people that embrace less effort to get their answer, they have higher stickiness. So I think one area is what is your customer effort? The second one is, is actually looking at, you know, what is stickiness, revenue, those behaviors. And then I think the third one is some products, especially digital products, they have other KPI metrics that actually are more indicative of stickiness than revenue. So like in the video game space, you know, do they come and they play every day? How many sessions do they do in a day? How long are their sessions? You know, are they, what, what alliance are they a part of, you know, and how, how much does that alliance play? So looking at the engagement and activity metrics inside of your product as well, those are the three things that I would say if somebody was asking me and they were a digital company that I would focus on if I were them. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's the same with Facebook and Instagram, and they want to know yeah, how long yeah. you're on the how long you're on the platform, that's right. what kind yeah. of money are you spending, that's and right. how many eyeballs, and how long you're on there for, right? That's their big bragging thing. That's it's right. like, hey, you're that's right. an advertiser, and this is what we're looking at. So it is. We talk about stickiness, and so if anybody doesn't understand what stickiness is, that's the fact of keeping somebody coming back or keeping them right. on the platform and doing something. So that's it's right. the hey, you haven't been on Facebook in two days, and all of a sudden you get an update that your mom just posted up a crazy cat meme video, and then you're like, hey, I want to go back, and then you're back in the that's matrix right. and you're that's on right. Facebook for another three hours and you just watch 39 cat videos and you feel happier about your life. Except you just didn't go. do anything for three hours. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk about customer service in the pandemic. Um, Cause obviously I know there was a, 
you know, we saw e-commerce go through the roof because, you know, that yeah. was, you know, everybody was now online and got butts and seats and people are like, hey, I'm going to go buy some stuff. How do you think the customer experience um, was affected by the pandemic and how did it change? Well, I think it's interesting. I think if you parlay it to two different sides, I think one is where customer service changed the pandemic is companies started to open their eyes on where you can provide service from. So when we launched Officium as a completely decentralized company, we never had a headquarter, we never had a building, everybody was work from home and remote. It was always kind of the, our ethos and how we operated. It precursored the pandemic by you know six to 12 months. So I think a lot of other companies opened their eyes and said, hey, I can get high quality resources that can deliver high caliber work from the country where I grew up in Texas, right? As an example. So I think that's part of it. I think the second part of it is there were some bumps for the, for the customers, especially for some industries. In the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of industries were slammed, like, like hotels and travel and refunds and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff yeah. stopped happening. There was a lot of slam. And then there was kind of like this calm, well, in between after these companies figured out how to move everybody, you know, working in the office to working from home. It was kind of a calm. And now that, you know, things are starting to open up, depending on where you live in the world, we're starting to see some massive growth again in those old industries. But meanwhile, what you see is e-com, you see gaming, those industries continue to thrive and even grew, um, even digital entertainment and things that weren't weren't games and so forth. Anything that was digital that could entertain or engage, you know, a, a customer was growing and thriving through the pandemic. So it was interesting to see how all of all of that worked. And and during the pandemic, we started to accept cryptocurrency as part of our payment or the traditional currency. And and that's probably five or ten years away from mainstream customer service. But that was interesting because people are really getting into crypto as well, especially on the gaming side. So a lot of interesting things that happened um, there and some industries just went crazy and blossomed. Yeah, it's yeah, that the whole I think it, what it did is it 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 just forced a lot of people's hands. I mean, what I mean, yeah. whether it be coming online or you need to improve things or, yeah, I mean, getting slammed. You know, can you imagine? I mean, I remember hearing, you know, these stories of, you know, like you know, concerts as an example, or an event, like, hey, you have an event, and so you have an event space, and they're like, hey, we just ordered, you know, food for the next month, and all of these things, all these things that we ordered, and now everybody just canceled, we got to give them their money back, and so that's you know, right. we're, that's $200,000 that we just lost, like, now what do we do, and when do we start back up, and so, you know, and then once again, other industries just went through the roof, went nuts, you know, so it is, I do believe in, you know, in, in when there's bad things, and good things happen, it depends on, yeah. on what side of it, you know, it's all perception, and how you look at it, Obviously, I'm not super pumped about COVID. I don't think anybody was like, yay, COVID. I'm so glad that you happened. I don't think anybody's at that point yet. Yeah, yeah. But I, we have seen some some interesting stuff, once again, in different industries that, once again, have taken, you know, have said, hey, let's yeah. got to figure this thing out. And it's accelerated things. Remote working, obviously, and, is one of those. And I think that, like, if you take a step out of the CX world, what I think has accelerated a lot and will be super interesting over the next five to 10 years is we is we need to watch biotech. Because I think biotech is, it's been quiet. Everyone kind of loosely talks about it, but the amount of investment that's happening in biotech right now, it's going to blow up in the next five or 10 years. And if we find, this is my opinion, but if we find the cure to cancer in the next five or 10 years, it probably would not have happened without COVID. Um, and I'm not saying that the, the means justify the ends at all, but it's just interesting to watch these different trends. 
I'm with you. I, I, you know, I would never say that, hey, I was pumped about COVID, but I can tell you that there's definitely been some, some, some benefits to it happening. And once again, there's always, once again, it's an ebb and flow type situation. So, that's right. I'm, you know, I'm not going to say, hey, I, I, that's awesome that this happened to these people, but there are, there's good things that have happened from that as well. I do feel like it's accelerated that learning curve for a lot of different things because we had to, right? Because yeah. it's like- And as, as well as on the CX side, the the kind of supporting doctors and supporting nurses remotely has, I don't know if you knew this, but it has kind of skyrocketed as well. Number of new companies have IPO'd. You also have with biotech, you also have these commercial biotech companies that are sending kits out up the wazoo to test for this and test for that. You know, if you got this problem or this challenge or irritable bowel syndrome, whatever, you know, you can now test for it at home. And all of those require customer service roles where they didn't before because they're it's kind of a burgeoning um, industry well and i can tell you my wife's a nurse so i know and my mom was a nurse so i know firsthand that you know it's kind of crazy that industry like what you can do i mean now they have there's actually a, there's a um, god i can't remember the name of the hospital but they're, they're all over the nation and they're doing they're doing they'll do covid monitoring so you're home and they have you hooked up to a monitor and they're monitoring you and it's a nurse that's monitoring you so it's not wow. you know yeah, it's pretty. So it's those that's kind of things cool. where you're like, yeah, it's really cool. I was like, man, it's kind of like to my wife. I was like, so you could sit at home. And there was one of the it's a friend of mine's wife that does it. They're in Texas, actually, in Austin. And um, and he's like, yeah, there's like some nights we're watching a movie and she's, you know, looking at her thing and she's at work. And, you know, we're doing it. She's monitoring. Everything is good. And there's other times she's just knee deep. She's got 10 people and monitors are going off with this. And she's got these yeah. connections and she's, <laughs> you know, moving and shaking and making things happen. So, you know, you, you just never know. But it is interesting that the remote side of things of now before it was like you had to go in and now it's like hey maybe we can do uh, a video and they're like what do you mean you're gonna do a video to you know for some things obviously it's not possible in medical yeah, yeah, but other yeah. things it's like hey it makes sense you know like why not yep, take yep, away yep. the 20 30 percent that you don't have to come in if as long as you have a camera and you have an internet and there we go so it's yeah. interesting interesting for sure thanks jonathan it's been a great episode and i'm sure our listeners now know all about customer experience and how to do it right thanks for listening and see you next week on another fun episode with Efficient labs jonathan schroyer